We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Yeah, have fun. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Would you like to work closer to home, save money on gas, and be rewarded for your hard work and attendance? Then Belicio Foods is looking for you. That's right, Belicio Foods is now hiring for multiple positions and shifts with great employee benefits, an on-site health clinic, competitive wages, and advancement opportunities. Belicio Foods is a company that truly values their employees. Apply online at Beliciofoods.com careers. Well, happy Friday, TGIF, Pete Wilson. We're here. How about that? We are here. And so um, did you notice anything about James and I today? Um, same sweatshirt. So I walk in this morning. Come here, James. So I walk in this morning and Courtney goes, aww. And I'm like, what? She's like, oh, you'll see. Like, we are such dorks. It just happened, right? Yeah. Okay. I hope so. Okay. Well, hey, you know, it's the first thing you came to in the closet. You know, it's Did your people call my people or what happened, James? We're going to have to start, like, having a, you know, a night before text chain. And uh, make yeah, sure we like, don't what do is everyone again. wearing I, tomorrow? Never, never question the production values and homework that goes into putting this, this <laughs> exactly, show on. Never, yeah. never question exactly. that. You can't seem, but, you know, Dylan's sitting over there. He could have one of those total media shows. I mean, if Dylan, I'm not going to tell you whether he does or not, but he could. I was going to say, if Dylan came out with a shirt that didn't say Rick or Morty, Rick and Morty on it, we would be shocked. Well, I, you know, I thought the memo said, pink shirts well i think it looks fantastic that, that was my memo you guys didn't get the memo evidently on tuesdays we wear pink no wait wednesdays wednesdays we wear pink wednesdays okay all right yes. i didn't get that memo either do you know what movie that's from put you on the uh, spot dylan do you know what movie that's from wait what was it what was it on wednesdays we wear pink um do any of our viewers know? <laughs> I'd be really, I'd be really sad if somebody doesn't know, because James and I immediately knew. You don't even go here. <laughs> no, okay. To be fair, I've not seen Mean Girls either. Oh, <gasps> you just gave it away, James. No, it's Mean Girls. Oh, uh, it looks like Jeremiah got it. Good job, Jeremiah. I mean, yes. I think he got it. Well, men's girls is not exactly <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> that darned autocorrect. <laughs> okay, now here, here's a point I'm going to make right here. 
Jeremiah is pumping out some stories for me, but it looks like to me he's watching TV. That's right. Oh, <laughs> Jeremiah, you just got so busted. You're supposed to be working and you're playing on your on your computer. No, let me tell you what. The man is so talented. He can multitask. He can. You're he right. Can, so I'll I, give I, him I take that. it back. I take it back. <laughs> well, we didn't come here to talk about sweatshirts or Mean Girls or yeah. Pink or anything like that, but you do have some news, Pete Wilson, to talk yeah. about. We do have some news. And... Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's been uh, it's been several days since we brought up uh, about the Gisco West Road investigation. Yes, and that of course uh, involves uh, the the uh, death of uh, William Beach Jr. Yes, he was the man who was barricaded inside the residence at eighteen eighteen Gisco West Road on January the thirty first. Stalemate, uh, very tense. Uh, the uh, sheriff's office and other law enforcement agencies got a search warrant. After, you know, they couldn't get him to come out and surrender, they did make entrance with a search warrant. And a short time later, Mr. Beach was shot by a Jackson County Sheriff's Office deputy, mm -hmm. died short time later at Holzer Medical Center, Jackson Hospital. Ever since then, you know, really that evening, January 31st on, it has been uh, under investigation by the Ohio BCI, the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation. Yeah, and brought in the big the big dogs right. for that and one. We've been able to report some things uh, through uh, uh, a 911 call and a search warrant that uh, that has been released. Really, the Ohio BCI, they've been very responsive when I've asked mm -hmm. for updates, but no information because it is an active and ongoing investigation. Sure. And I asked again yesterday, and guess what? It is an active and ongoing investigation that has not been concluded. I, I mean, I, I do get a response. And, you know, hey. Mr. Steve Irwin there, uh, who is the spokesman. He, They're nice he, when they blow you he, off, he, right? <laughs> well, he deals, he, deals with, uh, he deals with media in 88 yeah. counties. Yeah. So I do appreciate the responsiveness yeah. this there. Isn't the only count, the, this isn't the only case they're dealing with, you know. Right. So. I know. And, you know, the, the, you know, the questions remain there. You know, people want to know all the details of, yeah. of what happened in there. And whenever that investigation is complete, uh, that report, I understand, will become public record. You know, there may not be, you know, a, a formal news release or whatever, or a press conference or anything, but it will be for the record and accessible, I assume, not only to the press, but to the, to the public as well. Okay. Now, after the investigation is over, we'll repeat ourselves on how this is going to work. One of the aspects, of course, Mr. Beach is, it, Mr. Beach is deceased, so... You know, there's no investigation as to, you know, any criminal charges against him, of course. But the question is about about the fact that he was shot by a Jackson County Sheriff's yeah. Office deputy. Uh, that that aspect, of course, is the main thing in the investigation. When the investigation is over, the Ohio BCI, who did all practically all the legwork, it was turned over to them almost immediately because of the fact the sheriff's office had a deputy involved. They will turn over the information to the Jackson County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. That's Randy Dupree. Okay. He will decide if anything else needs to be done as far as, uh, you know, whether, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, an understandable uh, and legitimate uh, act by sure. the Sheriff's Office deputy. Because uh, there was no other shots fired. Uh, that was, mm -hmm. that was, that was said by Sheriff Ted Frazier on the same day. Nobody else was injured. However, uh, since the in, since that initial day, the search warrant did indicate that um, that Mr. Beach was seen by a Jackson County Municipal Court probation officer with a hatchet and a handgun 
in his possession. Yes. So the deputy and others who breached that structure did believe that he was armed, he was armed. and yes. certainly potentially dangerous. So <clears throat> we, we shall see, but we are staying on it. I wanted to let you know that it isn't just something we have forgotten about. Okay. All right. Another uh, big uh, criminal case. Uh, it came to the very end. This was in Vinton County. And this uh, involved uh, the former Vinton Township fiscal officer, whose uh, legal name is Cy. Uh, yeah. C Y. Uh, his name in the past was Cy Vistra. Yes. Uh, till 2017, that's when he legally changed his name. But some people know still know him by that name. But he goes by Cy. Uh, he had a there was a sentencing in Vinton County Common Pleas Court uh, this past Monday, and. Uh, as a result of that, there is Mr. Vista mm -hmm. right there. Vinton Township is a small township in Vinton County that uh, is uh, just outside Wilkesville. As a matter of fact, Cy lives in Wilkesville or has a Wilkesville post office mm -hmm. address. All right. Anyway, he was charged with uh, he was charged with uh, uh, essentially stealing, embezzling township funds yes. for personal use and also to help support his Union Ridge Wildlife Center, kind of like a wildlife sanctuary. Yes, it is. I guess is. some people, you know, you could you could buy tickets and go there and visit and have interaction with the animals yeah. and like that, we're told. But anyway, um, he had a 13-count indictment uh, as a result of an investigation by the state auditor's office. Mm -hmm. uh, this played out in Vinton County Common Pleas Court late last year. He pled guilty to six of the 13 charges in that indictment. The other seven were dismissed as part of a plea agreement. The sentencing finally happened this past Monday. And the bottom line mm. is, and it could have been more according mm. to the letter of the law, but he was sentenced to four years and 11 months uh, in prison. No fine. He has to pay court costs, but here's the, here's, here's the big ticket item on the money. He has to pay restitution of $339,717.86. Oh. That represents, Woo. most of it represents the money that they say, that they claim was stolen from the township, you know, over a period of time. The remaining amount, the balance between the 287 and the 339 is the cost of the special audit and the investigation mm -hmm. that determined you know, that he had done this. Yeah. And so normally that would fall back on the township. And of course the township turned out to be a victim here. Yes. And you know, that's a lot of money for a small township. So right. that is how that, that was what was worked out. There's also going to be some items uh, that will be seized from the property there and they will be uh -huh. sold. I don't think it's animals, but they will be sold and that will help uh, compensate the township as well uh, for the cost that they do have. They capped what the township has to pay, and Cy will have to pay the balance, and that is in that three hundred thirty-nine thousand dollar figure. So, I um, just as a personal note, I've, I've definitely met Cy several times. Um, he was actually a guest on the show several, several, several years ago, um, talking about the wildlife uh, sanctuary and. You know, he he would take in animals that were injured or you know whatever, mm -hmm. help them. Uh, help recover. And I'm curious because he had quite a, a, an extensive group of animals. What will become of them? 
Okay, well, apparently there is a gentleman who helped him there, kind of like a main assistant. And uh, I guess he is taking care of those animals now. There is, uh, there is an investigation going on by the Ohio Department of Agriculture now as a result of a Which complaint. Which is a whole other story. It's a whole different story. Yeah. I don't know whether that would have any criminal implications or not. Apparently, there are allegations that federal wildlife laws were, were broken as far as, uh, as far as paperwork that has to be done, licenses you have to get, et cetera. And uh, also unlawful interaction between some of the ex certain exotic animals there in the public, because that is part of what Cy apparently sold to you know, tourists and visitors Correct. out there. You're wondering though, I mean, so the, 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 obviously you're assuming assuming that the money that was taken was taken because he needed money for the animals. Well, he, um, here, here is what, here, here is a, it's kind of here in one paragraph, what it, the allegation is. Uh, he, um, it was determined that between January, 2016 and July, 2020, Cy used township debit and credit cards and issued checks on the township bank account for expenditures for his personal benefit, renovations to his residence, and to the nonprofit wildlife refuge that he operated called the Union Ridge Wildlife Center. And they figured up that it totaled up to $287,565.11. And it all started when uh, the current uh, Pike County, or Pike County, Vinton County Auditor, Cindy Wall, uh, saw some things that she didn't think looked like, right. Hmm, and it ended up being investigated by the state auditor's office. And then, you know, the indictment followed. And this, of course, this occurred over a period of years because uh, the uh, unlawful activity was as late as July 2020. And that's been oh. that's been two and a half years. So, you know, it took a while for all this to, to play out. Yeah. But the other seven charges were dismissed. It isn't an ongoing case or anything. But the other uh, situation involving Cy, uh, you know, that have been reported in the Telegram, we talked about it on television. Mm -hmm. um, it, is, um, it is a situation where PETA has filed a complaint uh, and they have asked the Ohio Department of Agriculture to investigate these allegations involving the animals yes. that Cy took care of at the Wildlife Center. And the Ohio Department of Agriculture, are you ready for this? They say they are investigating, and no other information can be released at this time. <laughs> and we checked again uh, at the beginning uh, of the of week. Course. That investigation is, are you ready, active and ongoing. <laughs> okay. I, I, mean, I, I say this I say this just to let you know that we're trying, all right? Yes, it's not funny, but we're not investigators. And it is true. They shouldn't really say what happened and what didn't happen <clears throat> until... You know, they know, they for, know sure. for sure. Exactly. But anyway, one of the allegations involves a, cham a chimpanzee named Tonka. Yes. That uh, was so supposedly it changed hands and all the regulations that were supposed to happen with the Endangered Species Act did not happen. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of big old mess in there. Right. And uh, so they, PETA has asked uh, him to harass the, uh, the High Department of uh, Agriculture, which does have jurisdiction over exotic animals and people keeping them as pets or whatever, mm -hmm. or as, or as part of a wildlife exhibit, they are investigating this. And so we will be following that as well. Okay. All right. 
So on the criminal justice front, this also broke this week. You remember when we reported, uh, oh, when was it? Two or three months ago, time flies. It's hard to keep track of. (laughs) When a local man, Jason Atkins, was uh, convicted as part of what was described as a $50 million Ponzi scheme. Yes. He wasn't the only person that was involved in this. And two other persons... Two other persons were uh, indicted just this past week, both of them from Texas. John K. Eckert, age, Eckert Jr., age 58, of Dallas, and Afif Batogli, age 45, of Houston. It is alleged that Eckert is the, was the leader of a multi-state conspiracy that did involve Atkins, conspiring with previously convicted and sentenced defendant Jason Atkins, age 46, who has a Jackson address, Battagli, Eckerd Battagli and others, Atkins included, orchestrated a $50 million Ponzi scheme that defrauded more than 50 investors. And, okay. And, uh, you know, the Ponzi scheme is where, uh, I mean, just generically without getting too much in depth, that's, you know, where you, you invest to, uh, you invest in some sort of, um, in some sort of project that promises a big return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, you put money and they say you're going to get more money later mm-hmm. on. But that is where uh, you use the money you got from somebody else uh, for to your pay own. Th- yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah, to, for your own thing. And then and then when you get. It goes on and for a while until the, the, the bottom you don't, falls the, out. The bottom line is you don't use the money the way you're supposed to and you're really yeah. not investing in anything. In this case, the the product that was part of the Ponzi scheme was allegedly or reportedly off the road, big tires, tires that are used yeah. by construction equipment mm-hmm. and so forth. But anyway, um, conspiracy to uh, Eckerd. Uh, it is alleged uh, that the defendants rarely bought or sold these tires, and when they did, they used the same tires as the basis for multiple deals. They promised multiple investors that they each owned the same tires. And Battaglia allegedly used his employer's tire yard to deceive investors. So they said, hey, listen, you're going to buy these tires and we're going to sell them at a really high price and yep. you're going to get the profit. Like a whole lot of money. Right. Yeah. And so uh, that story hopefully is online here on the telegramnews.com, our website, and hopefully will be in our print edition on Saturday. And once again, the local connection is that Jason Atkins, a, a Jackson County resident, was indicted and convicted earlier in okay. that case. So, you know, my guess is there may be some local investors who... I'd say, I'd say so. Right. Okay, uh, another thing that happened on the law enforcement front, it's come and gone, but it caused a little bit of excitement uh, earlier this week on Wednesday <laughs> yeah. afternoon. A call came in to Arby's. Arby's roast beef there on Main Street. How do you pick on Arby's? Arby's is wonderful. Well, <laughs> love Arby's. Mid afternoon, two seventeen p.m. A male caller called and simply said, "I'm going to blow this place up." Okay, so you know what? What do you do? <laughs> well, you call the police. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The the police came out. No fire or anything like that. They did a very quick search. The staff had already kind of looked around. Nobody, uh, no person was there making the threat. This was all on the telephone. It was figured that it was probably just a prank type thing, but you never know. So the police came. They did a quick search. Didn't turn up anything. They never closed. Didn't evacuate or anything like that. I know you would think that maybe that would happen. It would happen at a school or something like that with a lot of people, but they didn't do that. And they determined after a quick search and listening to what, you know, uh, the the caller said, they determined it was unfounded. I don't know. I don't think they determined who it was that made the well, call. Well, I was going to say. At least as of 
that day they had not. In today's day and age, I mean, it would be really hard to um, hide where you're calling from. So I would have to think that they would figure that out eventually. Right. With the electronics and so forth. Like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's pretty hard to, you know, to hide it, that now. It, it is true. You know, you hear about the, the threats or the bomb threats or whatever, especially when they happen like at a school because mm -hmm. so many people are involved in like that. And uh, this is this has been true. The last several times that this has happened, uh, maybe not every time, but multiple times now, they have been able to determine oh. who made that call, you know, with the way, you know, the with the way the electronics are and the tracing and all like that and, and cell phones, especially sure. being able to to trace where they came from and like that. And so it's not as safe to make those prank calls, even if you're just trying to get attention or cause trouble. Now let's all be honest. We all did a prank call from a, from a payphone at one point or another. Did we not? Not to Arby's, not you... to a school. I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm. Dylan, are you going to say what's a payphone? Cause I know he's going to say what's a payphone. Uh, I do know what a payphone is. You do? Yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I've never made a, uh, prank call to any business or anything. I'm pr I'm pretty boring. I'm not sure I've done it either. You never called anyone randomly and asked them if their refrigerator was running. No. Oh my. Hey, Dylan, what? Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> I, I think so. Better, better go better. catch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> what were the other ones that we used to do? Remember Bart Simpson called the bar and asked for Amanda hug and kiss? <laughs> can, can, I, can I tell a story on Red Pete? Okay, I, I, he's probably listening. Uh, so. He's so, like, I've got news to do. You I'm, I'm sorry. This just, this just made me laugh so much. So I, I asked Red yesterday afternoon. I was like, well, you weren't the one that were th was threatening Arby's, were you? He goes, no, but I'm mad at Subway. <laughs> he did not elaborate. <laughs> so look out, Dylan. <laughs> look out. Red's, Red's got it out Red's Subway. Red's mad at you. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I tell you what. James is building a case if Subway gets a call. <laughs> there is no doubt. It's, you it heard it me. here first. We'll make sure it wasn't me, his work but, done before yeah. he gets hauled off for questioning. Oh God. Okay. Sorry about that. We digress, but no prank calls. Don't, don't do it. In today's age, my point was we used to call, you know, stupid stuff from, from, uh, pay phones and no one knew who it was because well, it was a pay phone, well, but and, now they don't exist anymore. Well, so. you know, two things we already have established that, you know, it's much easier <laughs> to get caught. Yes. Uh, when, when you do this, even though you think you made a short call, you hung up. Okay. Now you wait and see what happens. And, and uh, get your get your jollies from that. But here's the deal: if if they find out who you are, you're almost certainly going to be charged. Oh yeah, because you know it's, it, it's you shouldn't have funny. done it. And inducing panic is often yeah. the charge, and it can be a felony. And so you're yeah. you're talking about maybe wrecking. Uh, you know, especially a young person maybe playing a joke. You're talking about maybe wrecking your life, uh, not being able to get a job. Yeah, it's uh, a big deal. Which is very hard in today's market right now. You're not to be able to get a job. To not be able to get a job. But it, it's possible. Oh, oh, let's see. You did a prank call and you got charged with inducing panic. Next, you know. So, I mean, you really got to think about the implications and the ramifications Correct. of what you think is a is a joke. Yep. You know, and and it's yeah. Don't mess around with that. It's not funny.
Right. So. Well, we had another uh, case come through uh, come through Jackson County Common Pleas Court very recently. Uh, our associate editor, Philip Buffing, does a great job keeping up with the court stuff reported on this. Do you remember um, the fire back in February 2020 in Glenroy? I do. Where a young child was very uh, died, was caught in the house um, when it caught fire and, and yes. could not get out. Uh, an older child did get out a toddler, but yeah. uh, a... Uh, a, a three-year-old boy did not get out. Anyway, uh, the mother of that child, Tawny Brewer, was uh, indicted, uh, had some very serious charges filed against her as she was held responsible uh, in some way. You know, some of the details have never really come out. It was investigated by the state fire marshal's office. Uh, but anyway, she was held responsible for uh, having her child in the house, not being able to get him out or whatever. Right. And so this went through court for some time. Uh, finally, uh, this occurred, uh, this occurred just in the last month. Um, there was a plea bargain and she ended up, uh, she ended up, uh, uh, she was charged with involuntary ham uh, uh, homicide, uh, involuntary manslaughter, I'm sorry, reckless homicide and two counts of endangering children. But, what happened was uh, she ended up uh, pleading to just one charge, and she ended up getting two years in prison. Mm -hmm. There was all sorts of pre-sentence investigations and whatever, and Judge Chris Reagan made that determination. And obviously, at some point, um, you know, when they, you know, did a lot of review, they figured that maybe it was as serious as they thought as far as her responsibility for yes. what happened. You know, it would be horrible to lose a child that way. But she was not there when it happened, but she was nearby. And when the firefighters arrived, you know, she was obviously hysterical outside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I say, an older boy was able to escape. And he had very serious third-degree burns, but mm -hmm. he did he did survive. But uh, that... Uh, Just a horrible she situation. She ended up pleading to a third-degree felony, reckless homicide, with the other counts, the involuntary manslaughter, the more serious charge being... Uh, being uh, dismissed. Okay. You know, the involuntary manners, man, manslaughter uh, charge indicates that even though you didn't mean for anybody to die, that uh, your actions uh, contributed to that death through your negligence or your actions or whatever. Sure. Absolutely. And so uh, they decided to let that one be dismissed. All right. Uh, another thing that happened just on Wednesday, and we're going to be seeing evidence of, of what happened. Uh, here in the next several months, the land bank, the Jackson yes. County Land Bank, had a meeting. It was our first meeting of the year, and it was an important one. 30 demolition projects throughout the county. We're talking about three-quarters of a million dollars total yes. uh, is what they started with. They did a handful of demolition projects late in the year, uh, but we're talking about uh, bidding out 30 projects all over the county, including some major commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, they did not award the contracts yet, but they opened the bids and they know what the figures are. It's going to be reviewed by a consultant, uh, the county's consultant. And if everything uh, is according to Hoyle, the low bidder will, I'm sure, get contracts or get a contract right. or plural contracts to yes. do some of these demolition projects. Among the projects that are involved in this round of demolitions is the Luby Theater in downtown mm. Wellston. On Ohio Avenue, of course, it's been, there it is, it's been in the news quite a bit. Uh, it was in the news in Wellston City Council last month. Yes. Uh, the owners are Steve and Melissa Hammond of uh, MacArthur. 
a very prominent in Vinton County. They have strong family ties to Wellston. It was their desire after they purchased the building to see it renovated and restored and turned into something like a community center, performing arts center, mm -hmm. maybe along the lines of the Marquet. Similar maybe to the Maybe not quite as elaborate, yeah. but see it live on and have a useful life or whatever. Well, you know, the problem okay. was getting the money to do it. Mm -hmm. A lot of money to, to fix it up and then to turn it into what they wanted to do. And they weren't able to get that money. They reluctantly agreed because of the condition of the building. It's not unsafe, but you know, doesn't even have a roof on it. It's not unsafe or anything. Uh, the city, if nothing's going to happen with it, they would like to see it demolished. But, you know, there's the money situation. Well, the land bank, all the state money comes in. Now they can do projects like that. Right. So the city said, you know, if you're not going to be able to fix it up, allow us to put it on the list. And the, the Hammonds did do that. They signed a, a release saying, you know, that it, but they still made it clear that they did not want that to happen. Because when word got out, you know, hey, there's, this is going to happen very soon, the demolition, some citizens in Wellston uh, came forward, and this was aired at the Wellston City Council meeting, you know, can't we save the Lou V? Well, a lot of people say that, but there's got to be a lot of dollars behind it to make it happen. And right now, they aren't there. So unless something miraculous happens, the Lou V will probably come down in the first half of the year. The projects okay. are supposed to be done. And this is another problem. The grant says the projects are supposed to be done by May, by May or the end of May. Of the but, of this but, year? Yes, but contracts have Oof. not even been awarded yet. Yikes. Uh, but that'll probably happen quickly. And it's yes. how quickly uh, they may be able to get an extension on that. Uh, they think they can, but right now the demolitions will have to occur pretty quickly. Let me ask you this, uh, mm -hmm. Jennifer, because you know, I know you've been in business and you had demolition projects mm -hmm. and you had building projects and so forth. What do you think the low bid is, the going low bid is to demolish that big building uh, in Wellston, the Louvi? What do you think? What do you think that would cost? The Louvi Theater. Yes. What it what the low bid would be? Yes. What what would you, what would you guess? For uh, sixty five thousand. Okay, uh, the bid for the Louvi was twenty seven thousand dollars. Oh, and that was. Uh, the high bid was one hundred and twenty-nine thousand five hundred. There isn't anything close to twenty-seven thousand. Who the, was that? That would be Harry. Harry. Sutcliffe, Harry Sutcliffe, who has yeah. done a lot of demolition projects in Jackson County and in Vinton County. Yeah. And he. He's Harry's bid, a character. Okay. Well, he bid on it, and his is the low bid. And if they look at everything, and you know, all the, <clears> I, all the, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. The and one the thing bombs I will say there. about that building is where it sits on the corner. It wouldn't be as hard to get to as if you were, you know, tearing down in between two buildings. I think there's not a lot of room between that and the building on the other side of the corner. But, but you yeah. you have a little space. A little but bit. I don't. And woo, they don't have to I, worry. They don't have to worry about taking out the roof. <laughs> if Harry wants to do that for twenty seven thousand, more power to you, buddy. All right. Two other buildings that are worth noting that are on the list are King's Pool Hall, which is just down the street yes. from the Luby and Wellstone on 2nd Street. Now, that building is in pretty bad shape, yep. and they've even roped that off some time mm -hmm. ago to keep people away from it. And the third building uh, here in Jackson, across from the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, is the former Bail Bonds building. Yes. Right, and there it is, a very familiar building. Uh, of course, not used now, in very bad shape. That the, was an asbestos situation, wasn't it? I'm not or, exactly sure okay. on that. I, thought, I, 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 I know that was. part of the demolition uh, uh, process is they have to know ahead of time about asbestos because 
that's an extra thing to do and that costs extra money and it takes extra time. So I'm not sure about whether asbestos is an issue at this building, but to the right there, you see some empty space. That's where the old Michael's ice cream building used to be there on the corner of Portsmouth and Water Street. So that'll be two major buildings coming down. Rumor is, rumor is not established, but been repeated quite often that this may become a parking lot if the county gets a hold of it. I would have to think that that would be a very good use of that space for um, parking for all of our community and county and all of that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and some of these... It would make sense. Some of these, uh, some of these that were, uh, where the properties are involved, it goes to the owner. In other cases, uh, you know, the owner may want to sell the property. In some cases, uh, it may become public property. Yes. But I know the county, uh, this is certainly a candidate for county spaces. It is right across from the sheriff's office and right next to another smaller parking lot. Well, you know, and the problem with some of these buildings and whatnot is is, is not only the getting, you know, just in my experience, it's not only necessarily the, the, the getting the thing torn down, but it's the legality of who owns it and then you know, how to, how, you know, the land bank acquires it and then who it goes to after and so on and so forth. There's a whole lot involved with each and every one of those properties. Mm -hmm. So everybody just thinks, oh, you just tear them down and that's good. But it, that there's so much more to it than that. Mm -hmm. And they have to work so hard and, and do so much behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot. But it's also a very good program because there's a lot well, of buildings that need to come right. down. Right, and, and, and one and everybody knows that. And uh, in some cases, you know, you know, the problem is, you know, it's not it's private property. You just can't go down Correct. and take it unless it's unsafe, and then that's a process too. And I understand, like some buildings, like the Lou V, there's that personal, like, you know, it's a community building, and people, you know, may want to save it, or there's like, you know emotions involved in that. And then others, it's like, it just needs to come down because right. it's I, not safe. Right. Of course, Mayor Charlie Hudson uh, recently resigned, but I know that his thought was, and I, this may be also the opinion of uh, Service Director Brenner, who has now recently been appointed as Mayor sure. Brenner. I know that their thought was it would make a nice parking space, yes. nice parking lot. For, and for of course, the downtown. some people on social media has jumped on there and go, can't we do better than a parking lot? So you know, a lot of a lot of opinions, obviously, out there. Well, you know what opinions are like. Right. Okay. Well, what are they like? <laughs> Belly buttons. Okay. All right. I got gotcha. you. Okay. All we right. all have those. Okay. Yeah. We're 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 talking about building things up in Wellston too. Uh, this issue came before Wellston City Council at the last meeting, and we reported on it in the Telegram and on our website, of course. Um, something potentially exciting. Okay. Uh, new housing just outside Wellston. Oh. Um, Frontier Community Services, which is out of Chillicothe, it is a nonprofit organization that provides community-based uh, residential and other assistive and support services to the elderly as well as persons of all ages with developmental disabilities. They have complexes uh, mm -hmm. in other towns in our area. They want to build a housing uh, a housing complex um, there across from where the across from where the splashdown, splashdown. water park yep. is. Uh, there was a, a proposal to do that before by somebody else that kind of fell through, but the property is still out there. And uh, what they need though is they need sewer service. That is a little bit outside the city of Wellston. But what they would like gotcha. to do is hook up with the city of Wellston and. Um, 
behind the scenes, this was a potential thing that was happening uh, with the Charlie Hudson administration. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, you know, Charlie no longer in there. Brenner is part of, was part of the administration, but represent, a representative of Frontier Community Services came to the last Wellston City Council meeting to let the council know firsthand that they want to do this, seeking the city's support for a sewer hookup. Okay. Uh, and so if this, if the council goes through with this, and right now there was no opposition to it, it's just figuring up, you know, the costs involved and making it work and all like that. And, you know, they could become new sewer customers yeah. to the city of Wilson. It is possible, it is possible because of the, uh, because of the proximity to the, to the city limits, it could become annexed into the city mm. of Wilson at one time. But this would provide lots of housing for the elderly. This would be senior housing, 46 gotcha. senior housing units wow. in an area that was, was called Harvest Crossing. That's what it was called when they were going to do a subdivision there before. It's on State Route 327, south of Berlin, across from where the Splashdown Water Park is. Uh, and there's a possibility that if this goes through, it has not been approved yet, um, if it goes through, they are talking about building a smaller housing complex on land next to it. So hmm. you're talking about lots of senior citizens housing, or maybe the second unit wouldn't be senior citizens housing. Uh, it could be something else, but it would be frontier community services. Okay. And there's local developers and realtors that are involved in this too. Mm -hmm. And they were uh, very nicely asking Wilson City Council, you know, can we go ahead with this? You know, we've already done a, a lot of engineering and architectural work right. and like this. We don't, we want to start construction as soon as this summer, but we need sewer. Is we this going to happen? Sewer. They felt it was going to happen for sure before, but now with a new administration, not a new administration, but a new mayor, they just wanted to come and be seen by yeah. council. So um, it could be, uh, according to uh, Mayor Anthony Brenner, he indicated that he does continue to support the project. He doesn't feel the city would benefit greatly financially, but he feels it would be a good thing for Wellston and for the county to provide this housing. And it is true that it could be annexed later into the city of Wellston. So uh, that will be a big story that will be playing out in the in the coming meetings. Great. I know that FCS, Frontier Community Service, hopes to get a um, tangible commitment from the city of Wellston to extend the sewer. Okay. All right. Uh, we have uh, uh, in the upward in the upward category, upward and outward category. Taylor Step, well-known Jackson resident, Yay, got a major promotion. Whoop, there he whoop, is. Whoop, whoop. He looks happy. You know, he, he reminds me. Of, he reminds me of the Spectrum guy. <laughs> you know that says, "In your second line is free." <laughs> but anyway, he is a Taylor's awesome. He is a hustler, a he climber, and he has good, done good some such good work with Ohio Southeast Economic Development. Yep. That is the regional arm of Jobs Ohio. Yes. And he has been in charge of, of some in Jackson and Vinton counties and some other nearby counties being the front man on, you know, working with the state and local people on economic development projects. Mm -hmm. Well, his new job will be director of projects for all of Ohio SEO. And uh, in that role, he will lead Ohio's SE team of project managers. That's what he was before in a 25-county region that covers not only southeastern Ohio, but also parts of eastern Ohio. The project management team works to secure capital investments and job creation and retention through company expansions and business attraction in southeastern Ohio. Yeah. And uh, Taylor, a Jackson High School graduate, grew up in Jackson, 
uh, Stan and Brent Stepp are his yep. parents, we know. Uh, anyway, uh, when he was at Ohio State University, some people may not remember this, he was actually the student he was, body he president. He was. And how many students go to Ohio State? <laughs> he was the student body president, I think, for That's at least a year. crazy. Right. And so uh, right out of uh, college, uh, he was, uh, you know, the a, a regional rep for uh, former state representative Ryan Smith. Yes. And so that kind of got him his start. Um, I don't know whether he'll go into politics directly someday, but I tell you what, he's got a very important job now. In he's the a shining star part. and he has plenty of, uh, of a future for himself. Right. Well, congratulations to Taylor Stepp. Also, uh, kind of like a parallel story that came out at the same time, dealing with economic development, mm -hmm. it was announced that the Jackson County Economic Development Tar Partnership was named the top business retention and expansion program in Southern Ohio. Woo! And, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, competition among a lot of county level <laughs> yeah. economic development offices. And so That's not, uh, you're they, not were kidding. they were named the top uh, in this whole region. And so congratulations certainly go out to, uh, to go, Sam guys. Brady, president and CEO, Amanda Williams yep. uh, is there. And uh, the former director, Jennifer Jacobs, yep. still helps out a good bit. And so congratulations to all them. Mike Jacoby, who is the president and CEO of, of Ohio SEO, said this, the Jackson County Economic Development Partnership and Sam Brady's commitment to to business retention and expansion has been critical in Jackson County's tremendous track record of success over the last few years. Sam Brady said, he was quoted in this story, it's an honor for our outreach efforts to be celebrated by Ohio SE. The relationships we have forged over the years have afforded the opportunity to get to know and better yet understand some exceptional companies and people. Our real pride is the service we are allowed to provide to our job creators. Love it when these stories come out because yes. the economic development efforts are often behind the scenes. Yep. You don't know what's going on. It isn't all about getting some company to come in with 300 jobs. There's a lot of smaller stuff that goes on as well. It's like eating the elephant, you know, one bite at a time. It's like little, a lot of times it's little projects that, that make one big you know, uh, impact in an area. Right. Well, and one of the economic development professionals told me at one time, I, I even forget who it was now, that their most important job is working with a lot of the small employers to keep what they have and support so they can keep going and maybe yes. move ahead a little bit. Or help them and, and expand give them, a little give bit. Give them help, resources, advice, counseling, money that they wouldn't have on their own. I can tell you they've been very, very integral um, in, in, you know, helping us with the brewery and, and, and you know, giving us some hints along the way and stuff like that. So, yeah, couldn't couldn't be more grateful, and, and they are so deserving of that award. Right. Well, they are, they are out there, and they're there to help. Um, yeah, they are great at outreach, but uh, if you're, in, if you're a, in business or industry uh, or you're a uh, – possible new entrepreneur, you need to talk to them. On Absolutely. The front end. And they may say, eh, you don't fit within anything. Cool. But you don't get the sale unless you ask. Right, Pete? That's exactly right. That's exactly, so much is out there now it's that, it, that is supposed to help create jobs. That's yes. what government, it's that's part of what government tries jobs. to do. It's, it's on the private side, these businesses, but the government can help. Yes. And uh, Jobs Ohio seems to be doing a great job. That was started by former Governor John Kasich, kind of a odd duck in that it isn't technically government, but it's created by government. 
Yes. Right. Okay. It's, it's kind of, well, I'm it, not it's even called gonna... a public private partnership. It's the best and of it, both worlds because right. it, it, it's, 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 you know, created by government, but not controlled really by government. Right. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of private sector yeah. uh, input. Keep in the that. politicians out of it. Right. Okay. Sorry. I said that you didn't. Okay. You're right. All right. The Jackson County Juvenile Court uh, uh, has celebrated recently receiving a $20,000 pro-social activities grant. Oh, cool. And uh, this uh, Justin, Judge Justin Skaggs was uh, very excited about this. Uh, and what this $20,000 is doing, because this has been going on for some time, actually. Uh, as a result of this $20,000, the local Jackson County Juvenile Court entered into an agreement with Stargazy's Equine Therapy Pony Club which is located on Fair mm -hmm. Greens Road. And what it does is it has some of these troubled youth mm -hmm. who are, you know, court clients. Um, and it gives them a constructive thing to do. Yes. And that is always the goal of the juvenile court. It is yes. not necessarily punishment. It is rehabilitation. Sure. The idea is to, is to uh, straighten out the kids who have gotten into some trouble and need some help and mm -hmm. direction. You know, Judge Michael uh, was so passionate about that. He was. And I know Judge Skaggs is equally as passionate. Yes. And this is a, a grant that is allowing them uh, to work with stargazies uh, to help cool. local youth. You know, they learn some things. Uh, it keeps them busy. Uh, and uh, the idea is a constructive activity that will help them uh, get on the right path. Yes. And I understand that it has been working very well. Good. And that's something, you know, once again, because of the nature of it, you don't hear about because, of course, you know, the names of juveniles are never released or whatever. But there is, like economic development, good work going on behind the scenes. Good. Okay. Uh, another thing that's going on that we want to tell you about is um, at the last meeting of the Jackson City Council, uh, it was announced by Jackson Mayor Randy Evans that uh, a tentative agreement had been uh, had been reached between the city and the Teamsters Union that represents the unionized members of the Jackson Police Department. Okay. And this was done without outside labor negotiators representing the city, or under or from what I understand, even Teamsters representatives. Okay. This was done by local negotiators on both sides. So good. It saved some money. They came to an agreement. But the bottom line is they are going to be a major boost in pay to road officers because the Jackson Police Department, like of all, like of all other law enforcement agencies, having trouble attracting and retaining officers. Mm -hmm. So in this three-year contract, road officers will receive a $3 an hour increase in the first year. Awesome. This, this takes effect in September and then 2% year two and 2% in year three. Communications officers who are also under this contract will receive 3% the first year, 2% the second year, and 2% the third year. Mayor Evans said that they, even though they have tried to refill some of the positions that had to be laid off or when uh, retirements took effect, uh, when the money got tight here two or three years ago, they are still too short right now. You know, there's lots of comings and goings. They have lost... Mm -hmm some veteran officers to other law enforcement agencies that paid more. Mm. Uh, I know one's gone to the Chillicothe Police Department, one's gone to the Ross County Sheriff's Office, one went and even came back. But they hope that this pay, this pay level will help attract and retain officers for the Jackson Police Department. Great. Now that's been approved by the Teamsters Union, you know, the local rank and file, mm -hmm. has not been approved by Jackson City Council, but it's just going through the three readings process and it appears on track to be approved. Okay. 
All right. Uh, up Vinton County Way, some transition taking place at the Vinton County uh, Board of Developmental Disabilities. Okay. A man who had worked for a long time uh, in the field and also in Vinton County, John Pekar, recently retired. And there is John. Okay. Uh, he retired and he has been replaced by a man who is now uh, uh, on duty. His name is Dr. David Yule, U-H-L. And um, there he is right there. Okay. Uh, he is the Nick Elliott of Jackson County, I guess you could say. Nick Elliott <laughs> in charge of Hope Haven and the Jackson County Board okay. of Development yes, and Disabilities. Absolutely. Same job that Dr. David Yule has now. In our Saturday paper, which you'll be out on the newsstands maybe late tonight or mm -hmm. early tomorrow morning and be delivered to subscribers by mail tomorrow if you're in Jackson or Vinton counties, uh, it has stories about both John Pekar and Dr. David Yule, kind of like a package there, uh, uh, reviewing John Pekar's career, his remarks about working in Vinton County, and also kind of like a moving forward story with Dr. David Yule about his taking that leadership executive position uh, with the Vinton County Department of Developmental Disabilities. Okay. Once again, very important work that often takes place behind very much. the scenes. Absolutely. All right. Another story that we had in our in our Wednesday paper, uh, a very nice story written by Jeremiah Shaver, uh, with the contributions, photographically speaking, by Red Thompson Jr. Uh, certainly go back and read this uh, if you if you're interested in it. Uh, if you've driven through Colton, you probably notice a lot of construction and excavation taking place along the streets mm -hmm. and uh, st the smaller streets, even State Route 93, the main drag through town. Yes. That they're not fixing the roads, they're installing sanitary sewer lines. That's right. This is a three-phase project. They're in phase two now, and not trying to confuse you, but, <laughs> but they, they did phase three first. Yes. <laughs> right. Phase two is going on, and there, there you see the big construction equipment. You know, now they're doing some digging up. You know, they've torn up the road in places. They're on private property, but they got to put in these sewer lines. They promise they'll restore things the way they're supposed to, but it's all supposed to be worth it. You're talking about with all the money coming in. You're talking about, you're talking about nearly a seven million dollar project, six point seven million dollars <throat> between the grants wow. and the no interest loans that are coming in. And uh, once again, the the uh, phase two, which is the third and final phase of the project, taking place right now. When it's all done, I mean, there's been sewer service in Colton, but it's kind of strange. They have a sewer plant but they've had septic tanks for the individual properties. So, you know, the septic tanks, you know how that works. They need to be pumped. They're a pain in their They need to be pumped. And rear, sometimes literally. they need to be repaired yeah. and replaced. And that was yep. on the village because yep. it was a municipal system. Yep. Well, and, and, you know, it was problems for the residents too, you know, because it's got a little bit out of their control. But now uh, when this is done, they won't have to use the septic tanks anymore. They will have sanitary sewer service, which means, you know, the sewage is running through lines to the sewer plant. So Very good. that taking place right now, $6.7 million in the village of Colton. You know, that's one of those progress things. It's a pain in the rear end, pun intended again, for, you know, the residents and whatever right now. But mm -hmm. it's going to be so nice when it's all finished. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, uh, moving on, uh, speaking of government, this announcement just came out this morning. For those folks who have interest in the Wilson City Schools and the Wilson City Board of Education, which runs things, along with the superintendent and the administration, their regular meeting, which is always on the second Monday of the month, that would be this coming Monday, mm -hmm. they have moved that to Tuesday. 
So uh, if you're interested, uh, it's 7 p.m. and it will be held at the administration office. No meeting on Monday night as usual. It will be on Tuesday night. Also, they have changed the meeting time uh, in Wellston. Instead of 7.30, it is now 7 o'clock. Okay. So a lot of times, you know, the public may be interested in attending those meetings. Uh, the Jackson County Engineer's Office also reports that a section of Five Points Road is going to be closed for a while. That will start on Monday, Jennifer. Okay. Uh, they do multiple pipe replacements need to be done in a section uh, on Five Points Road uh, near Petersburg Road, eight-tenths of a mile out from Petersburg Road. I think uh, that's one of the end points of Five Points Road, Petersburg Road. About a mile, eight-tenths of a mile is where this work will take place. Gotcha. Uh, Engineer Miller expects the road to be closed for approximately one week, and it will depend oh, on the weather, how quickly they bad. can get it done. But that starts on Monday. So, you know, you locals that drive that section of road, yeah. you have to find another way around. All right. Uh, in the city of Wellston, they've announced two public meetings as well. Um, the uh, On the 13th at 5 p.m., the Finance Committee will meet. And on Thursday, the 16th, the Planning Committee will meet. Uh, that Planning Committee meeting will be one hour before the start of the regular council meeting. Uh, but it's also on Thursday evening at 7 o'clock. Okay, there's always lots of interest in this, Jennifer, from some of the entities that are interested in getting tourism money. Yes. The Jackson Visitors and Conventions Commission, that is a mm -hmm. city committee. Uh, it's a three-member uh, committee, commission. It will meet its first meeting of the year on Monday, February 27th at 10 a.m. That will take place in the Jackson City Council Chambers there by the police department. Yes. This is an opportunity for... Uh, uh, individuals, uh, entities, groups, organizations to seek tourism money. Mm -hmm. This is city money, but it's funneled into a special fund that has to be used for tourism. For tourism. Broadly stuff. tourism. You know, that could be a lot of things. You can interpret a lot of things, but that's what the money has to be used for. And it comes from the so-called bed tax that is collected right. at the local motels and inns. Correct. And so this three-member group decides how that money is spent. They don't necessarily spend it all at once, but you have to make an application. You can go to the meetings and make a pitch there, too. They may decide, uh, they may say they have certain money that they're going to award immediately, or they'll sit and think about it and have another meeting and tell you who they're going to give money to. But if you want to make an application, um, and the idea is to attract tourists and visitors to the city of Jackson and surrounding areas, you need to... Uh, get a form, an application, complete it, and turn it into the mayor's office no later than Friday, February 24th. That is, okay. uh, that is uh, two weeks from today, I believe. You got, so you got time. You, you need to get the form and turn it in. I don't think that precludes you from asking for money, but they have it in front of them and they know why you're there. Yes. You know? And if you have the application, you don't necessarily have to be there either. But it's better if you're there. Right. Well, you know, you can... In case you, they have any questions. Right, you can ask questions and so yep. forth. All right. Uh, we have a new exhibit in place now at the Marquette yes. Cultural Arts Center. And I understand it is very interesting. It is photography by Robert Orth. Okay. <clears throat> Robert Orth is... There he is right there. Uh, James Hamilton, who I'm the board member there. He's always real supportive of the Marquette. He took that picture. And uh, James, I tell you what, you know a little bit about photography. Tell us about what Robert Orth has there. Uh, so it's not just photography. A lot of it is photography, but there's also hey, chart. 
I like your sweatshirt. I like your sweatshirt too, Jen. Thanks. Um, yeah, so it's it's a lot of different things. So that's to his right. That's a charcoal drawing. Uh, there are also several photographs in there. But the probably the most interesting thing about this show is it's not just Robert's work. It's mostly Robert's work, but it also features some of his other family members. Oh, his really? His wife, Patricia, has one piece in it, and he, two of his grandchildren also have some pieces in it. Cool. And uh, so it, it's a fun uh, collection. There's quite a few pieces. This is over 30 pieces in the show, um, and it is a lot of different media. So it's definitely worth checking out. Another thing that's kind of interesting is Robert's been doing this for a long time, so some of these pieces are pretty old so some of this work you know he did in the 70s so it's oh, wow. fi- you know fi- things that are like 50 years old now so in you know you can kind of tell like the paper is kind of aged and things did he like just that say so the 70s were 50 years old he, he had to go there didn't he go ahead. i remember the 70s yeah me too <laughs> go ahead it is what it is jennifer <laughs> I don't. Salt in the I'm wind, not Father James. Time. That's um, when the music dies. <laughs> right. But yeah, so the the show is on display through the end of February, and it's really neat. So come check it out during regular uh, hours. Yes. Or you could come check it out during the Apple City Players performance of the Mousetrap. Yes. Which is coming up the uh, last week of February. Cool. Right, and the Marquet hours, you know, if you're just going to the gallery and there's no other events going on, it's 12 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Of course, admission is free of charge. You never have to worry about about paying if you're just sure. looking at the pictures. And, uh, you know, as James said, in addition to the photography, there is charcoal, colored pencil, and ceramics yes. all involved in that so exhibit. Cool. So, very good. Uh, tomorrow, uh, there's going to be a ribbon cutting for a new business in Wellston. It's called Wiseman's Boutique. And oh. uh, that ribbon cutting, they're having a grand opening, uh, kind of like all day from 10 to 5 p.m., a grand opening celebration. A ribbon cutting will take place uh, at, uh, let's see, a ribbon cutting will take place at noon. So if you want to be there for that and meet some people, uh, photo op, uh, I know our Jeremiah Shaver will be there. Uh, it's always exciting when there's a new business, Wiseman's Boutique. And of course, awesome. we'll be following up with a story to tell you exactly what they have to offer. Great. All right. We also want to tip our cap to the new assistant branch manager at mm-hmm. the Jackson County Banking Center. Um, Amy Willis is a Jackson High School graduate. Yep. And uh, she is the new assistant branch manager there. So congratulations to her. We had that story of the paper as well. Uh, also, uh, Hug Your Heart Day is going on today very it soon. Is. At the Parks Edge Event Center. 11 to and, 2. I mean, you want to talk about a feel-good event. Oh. That, that is one. I tell you, the senior citizens that, uh, that go to that, and it's a big turnout, you know. We're past all the COVID stuff now, yes. it seems like. Let's party. So, so that's exactly what it is. It's, yep. it, it's, it's a love fest for the seniors. And a lot of, uh, they can get, a, they not only have fun, they can get a lot of helpful information there. Yep. There's health screenings. Free. Yeah, there's people there to give them advice and information that have to do with their, with their yep. lives. Uh, free a, food, free lunch, free entertainment, <laughs> yep. uh, and, uh, get you know, to I, dance. Yeah. I remember, uh, the hug your heart day, Shadra Jenkins. The, uh, this is, a, you know, a YMCA event that's now at the Parks Edge event center. Yes. Uh, Laura Baker and, uh, and, uh, Curtis. Flo. Flo. Yep. Yeah. I always keep forgetting her name. They're kind of the wheels, but they get yes. a lot of support from the community through this. 
uh, to get all these donations and people working to make it happen. Yep. And I remember when Shadra Jenkins was the YMCA director, it was literal. She hugged every person that came in. And that's what it's about. It's a feel-good thing as well as a service it thing. It is. Such a good All event. right. Not a lot of time to tell you about this, but... If you're into a tree-hugging competition, there's going to be one oh. this Saturday at the Lake Hope State Park. Wait, what? <laughs> a tree-hugging competition that will involve speed-hugging, the biggest hug, most dedicated hug, and freestyle. But it you, you hug trees, I guess. No pre-registration is <laughs> necessary. Just show Sounds up. Sounds fun. It's an eco-friendly uh, event uh, from 10 a.m. to noon at the Lake Hope State Park. And of course, you can eat at that great Lake Hope restaurant oh, man. as well when it you're up there. It is so cool up there. All right. And we want to also tell you that the Jackson Area YMCA now is hosting birthday parties and special events. They haven't done that before, so just give them a call. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to give you more information next week about the alumni. We can tell you that the Jackson High School Alumni Committee has had their first meeting. There's definitely going to be a program this year yes. where the classes of 70, 71, 72, and 73 will be in the spotlight there being 50-year yes. uh, uh, anniversary classes. They haven't had uh, this mm -hmm. event the last three years. That's why there's four classes in the spotlight. And it appears, uh, we didn't think this was going to happen. It appears that there's going to be an event called The Happening After, a big party. It looks like it's going to be in the Rosa's Banquet Room down there in the basement okay. afterwards. Still working out the details, but the tentative plans are to go forward with that. All right. All right. Good. Basketball. Lots of basketball going on. Congratulations yes. to the Vinton County Vikings last night. Big rivalry game at Jackson. The Vikings came down to Jackson. The Vikings have a great record. They're going for a TVC Ohio championship tonight. The Jackson Ironmen have a young team, but they were, they were playing so much better. But Vinton County really showed their stuff. They defeated our Ironmen 69-47 to last night. Oof. Uh, a great win. Big crowd from both schools oh, bet. and communities were there. And so, you know, we'll have a report on that game in our in our uh, Saturday paper. Uh, Todd Compton and Red Thompson Jr. were there. We have some stuff on our Facebook page already. Have a picture on our website. Uh, more in-depth coverage in the paper. And then coming up starting next week is the girls' tournament. And then the week after that, the boys' tournament. All of our local teams will be involved. And the radio will be there at every daggone game to cover it. There you go. Out and about and they're in all, your spare time, And right? they're all streamed. <laughs> yes. They're all streamed. They are. So I've done all the damage I can do. It's 10.01 p.m. Very good. 10.01 p.m., 47, 48, 49. A.m. Right. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Okay. It seems like a long P.m. <laughs> it seems like I've been here all yeah. night. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, um, is is uh, the weather still in the mid-50 uh, or mid-low 50s this weekend, Dylan? Do you have that pulled up? Yeah, not looking too bad. Um, so today, 48, tomorrow, 45, and Sunday, 50, Monday, 54. Hey, we'll take that. Oh, look at look at Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. What? But you, but you know what? We'll Whenever it. you have those days in the winter where it's unseasonably warm, you know that you're going to get wind and rain <laughs> with it. You're not going to get just a plain sunny day, but we'll take it. Hey, we'll, we'll take, take it. it. It's it's a-okay with me. All right. Well, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Get out to Hug Your Heart Day today, 11 to 2 at Park's Edge. And um, have a great weekend doing some of the games and, and all the other news stuff. And thank you for coming in today. That's all right. Glad to do it. Greatly appreciate you. All right. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you right back here on Monday. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you.
This just in. The Telegram News has a new website. TheTelegramNews.com. Same dedicated coverage. Same trustworthy news with a brand new look. Covering Jackson and Benton counties and surrounding areas. Locally owned and operated, TheTelegramNews.com has its finger on the pulse of the community. Stay up to date on local events, high school sports, and breaking news. TheTelegramNews.com. Subscribe today at TheTelegramNews.com. Check it out.